Now listen, I I know that animation was just really raring to go in the in the early and mid nineties. Uh, we were really ramping up towards some really cool stuff that we could do. We um, were already doing cool stuff. Disney existed. Right. But this is not Disney, even no. though you can see it on Disney because Disney purchased Fox in recent history. And a lot of people like think this is a Disney movie. Like it got confused for a lot. Well, I didn't even know for most of my life that it was not. Anastasia is one of the most poorly animated movies that I've seen in a minute. <laughs> We watched Anastasia. That's James. I'm America. This is City Wave Cinema. No, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say it's like strictly bad because it was animated in a certain way. And right out the gate, there is a caveat that we get to give to Fox's animation division. Because Fox made the movie, 20th Century Fox. And this was the very first animated picture that they put out. First one they ever made. So, they get uh, a pass on almost all of the animation fuckery that is in this movie. And there is not a small amount of animation fuckery in this movie. So, this is a movie about the Russian family, the Romanovs. But you might be forgiven for not understanding that right out the gate because Anastasia sounds an awful lot like Meg Ryan, which is <laughs> which is appropriate because Anastasia is voiced by Meg Ryan. Um, and in fact, if you watch the movie, you'll note <laughs> that all the main characters, except for Vlad, all the main characters, Dimitri, Anastasia, the grandmother whose name escapes me, they all you can just call her the Grand Duchess. It's fine. have uh, northeastern American accents, <laughs> um, and it's not. I'm I'm not even going to say that the the performance is bad. Honestly, the voice acting is quite good. And this is in a the stacked movie. cast. It, it's a stacked like, cast. Even John the, Cusack, uh, Meg Ryan, Meg Ryan, Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd's in there, and you know it's Christopher Lloyd because when he talks, it sounds like. Christopher Lloyd. Um, uh, Kelsey Grammer, Hank Azaria, and then, like, Kirsten Dunst plays young Anastasia. Like, it's a good it's, cast. It's a, it's a totally fine cast. Um, but the problem begins when there are side characters, and those side characters, they've got Russian accents. So the main characters are... The Romanovs and company do not have Russian Technically accents. Technically just one Romanov. Uno. Okay. She's like the last one. Right, but she wasn't for the first ten minutes of the movie. Fair enough. Carry on. Um, They all have normal American accents. And then the side characters get the Russian accents. <laughs> And Kelsey Grammer as Vlad, who is technically a main character, uh, he also has a thick Russian accent, and it's quite good. Rasputin does a does an accent. No. No. Have you ever watched a movie with Christopher Lloyd in it? Back to the Future, 
Any of that shit? Yes. Yeah, he just sounds like Christopher Lloyd. Okay. He just, they got Christopher Lloyd in the studio and he said, what am I doing here, Marty? And then it was just like, great, do that. <laughs> and so then he did that. And that's what the whole movie is. Now, uh, the first the first thing right off the bat was the English accents in Russia. Uh, the animation is older. So I, I like the way that they do the animation even uh, in that it's like hand-drawn backgrounds uh, with 2D animation up in front of it. It's really uh, it's pretty nostalgic. until they start it feels moving. Nostalgic. Well, yeah, it's like anytime someone's face is on screen, you're just like, ah, no, scary, ah. It has, it does their, have like a Mandela catalog. Their eyes move around on their heads a little bit too much. They're not in the same place ever. Uh, sometimes Rasputin has his mouth open and he has all of the too many teeth. Um, it's just little things like that where you look at it and you're like, I don't like that. It, but it's like the whole movie. This so is, this is that. This is the first time I've seen it in a while. And the animation is rough. But it also, like, I don't think it affects me as much as you. Because a lot of the movies, I was looking at um, the catalog of this director who is Don Bluth. I was looking at the cat like catalog of his director. And they're all things from my childhood. Uh, Troll in Central Park. All Dogs Go to Heaven. The Land Before Time. And once again, in fairness to Fox Animation, they had not done this before. It's the first movie they'd ever put out as the animation department. And yeah, maybe they were veteran artists working on it. But listen, your first go is never going to be the best thing you make. It just simply isn't. Also, like, there... You say that, but there's a history of Fox. And I can say this because I just recently watched this movie. Like this month uh there's a history of fox and people and just being bad they're not great and i'm thinking of ice age in particular yeah but, but you also think about ice age and how fucking awesome all the animation in ice age is until, until they find that baby well until well even the baby's fine it's really the adults when you look at their fa it, again it's mandela catalog uncanny valley like Ugh that comes with it where you're just like, ooh, that's not like what a human face looks like ever. Um, and so it's not I you try to give them this pass and I'm I love this movie, but I also think about Fox's history of animation. And I they don't get, think they it's get a pass they get a pass on this movie because it's the first one. Everything they fucked up from then on, that's on them. They're really good at animals. Really good at animals. Sure, there's a dog in this movie that looks like it came straight out of Lady and the Tramp. But that's about all it's got going for it. I'm, so I'm just thinking of like, yeah, continue. Carry on. So we're having this this ball, I guess, and we do the setup with Anastasia and her grandmother and, oh, you live in Paris. I'm so sad. Why don't you live here? Why? And then the she gets the uh, music box and the necklace that does the thing and says, always together in Paris. Um, all wonderful little plot devices for later, and it's all very sweet and tender, and then Rasputin shows up, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this is one problem I have with the story, and it's even more difficult because this is a poor retelling of what happened to the Romanovs in real life. Because Rasputin was dead before the Romanovs were killed. Correct. So... To start, we've thrown historical accuracy at the wall to see what sticks, and we're cherry-picking what we like out of it, which I'm not against. 
It's a fiction. It's a movie for kids. What happened to the Romanovs is fucked up and dark. So you can't really do that plus, for the kids movie. Plus, that's stereotypical. I mean, we think about Pocahontas, Mulan, things that aren't even of Fox, but like any of these historical... Um, and sure, you gotta fudge huge, it a little bit. Huge air quotes around that. Like, all these historical movies, not one of them is actually really even, like, kinda close. <laughs> right, so, we get Rasputin rolling in, and the only backstory we get about what his deal is, is he was a magic man. Well, he was, like, a, For the Romanovs. Like a priest. And then... They got mad at him, and so he went away, and then he came back, He's... and now everyone has to die. He sold his soul. Right, but we're right, right, right. But wait. His whole arc is they got mad at me yeah. for a reason that is not stated. They banished him. He has to leave. Then he comes back, gets into this party somehow having, in recent history, sold his soul to, quote, something, dark and evil, uh, in order to kill the Romanovs. Place a curse on their family, yes. So, what the fuck did he do to make them that upset at him? Uh, I mean... In this movie, not in real life. Oh. Not in real life. Oh. Because we're not talking about real life. We've thrown historical accuracy out the window. So we have a new character, Rasputin, who did not kill the Romanovs in real life, who is here to enact a curse upon the Romanovs, and at no point is it stated why. He's just there to be bad. They banished him. Okay. Why? What did he do? What did he do? To get in that much trouble with the Romanovs. Things that happened before the movie started. Okay, what are those things? Are we still going in the, like, frame of the movie and not... Frame like... of the movie! I don't have an answer to that, but... That's I... correct, because you know what they didn't do? <laughs> Add context! I now, think... No, 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 no! You can't get away, even in a movie for kids... With having a bad guy who is just there to be a bad guy. Because it's lazy. What? Why is Ursula the bad guy? What happened to Ursula? She is canonically uh, a scam artist. She's just Dimitri. She got kicked out of the castle for reasons that we don't know. Right, and then she was banished from Atla uh, Atlantia. Bad story writing. Disney's not immune. I'm just no saying, studios, no studios immune. I'm just saying there is a lot of villains in. We'll go. We'll just stick with animated history in animated movie history that are just bad guys. Like they're not always given these deep back. Stories, or it's something silly like right, and that makes it shitty. They're just they were banished. Uh, I mean, one of the biggest villains in Disney history, Maleficent, was not invited to a party, and that was her whole motive. Now, I did just a tangent briefly about Maleficent. Oh, just briefly. It okay. is briefly. 
I read something. Um, it was someone had made a note. I think I saw it on like a TikTok or something. It was like a Reddit post. Is it the whole through. thing about like back in that day, not being invited was like a huge slight against her character? Right, and yada, specifically yada. because of where her stance was. With it's like her yeah, status, she wasn't she wasn't actual... supposed to ever show up, but because she didn't get invited, she was like, oh well, fuck these guys, and went anyway. That's the idea, and I could be convinced that that's the way it was written. If someone who wrote it was like, oh yeah, that's what we did. But until that happens, that's once again, lazy, shitty writing. I don't, and, and people do it almost exclusively in kids movies. Because if you look at other villains in other more adult medium stuff, a lot of them get given backstory or at least a foundation for why they are the way they are. And it, it's just a shame that we don't do that more in kids' movies because you can't, you should be able to contextualize evil. And if you only contextualize evil based on color palette or shape or whatever that you see in these movies, like Rasputin doesn't look like a human in the movie. Well, he's... All the humans are in a certain frame of animation and Vlad is giant. And Rasputin looks like even before he's dead. Okay. I was like, most of the time he's decomposing. Most of the time he's decomposing. True. But even before he's dead in the movie, he just sort of looks like a skeleton with just skin on it. And it's awful. Oh my God. He crop dusted us. I'm so upset. He didn't even. He sat down and it just went. Oh my God. Our dog's trying to stink us to death. Um, I can tell that you're really passionate. No. Have everything you need. Um, yeah, I can tell you get, get shit on. I can tell you're really passionate about this one because I can barely get a word in edgewise with you at ranting about Anastasia. It's not even that it's just Anastasia. It's just this is just an example of a problem in the trend of children's movies. You don't think back to okay, picture this. In Toy Story, who's the villain? Sid. Who's the other uh yes. Who's the villain in Toy Story 2? Al. Al. Never mind Sid, because he's a poorly written villain. He's just sort of a angsty teen, and teens do destructive things. Al's whole arc is he's a collector of fine toys because he's obsessed, mm -hmm. and he has a basis and a baseline that is shown in the movie for why he does every single thing he does. That's a good example of an antagonist in a children's movie having a background that's understandable and contextualizable down to a child's intellect. I'm going to give you another one. Scar. Scar is fully fleshed out. Yes, Scar is fully fleshed out. But, but guess what? Hamlet <laughs> was written for adults by a raunchy fucking poet in England. Ew. So Shout out to the, Billy Shakes. The baseline character of Scar... <laughs> was fleshed out long before Scar was ever imagined. Okay, touche. <laughs> Scar is a bad guy for adults. I will say we've gotten <laughs> we've gotten better about it, but I do think there was this wanting to like shield the children, like keep the innocence. So like the evil there's just evil in the world and like back back in my day. No, um back when I was a kid, like that was just some there was just evil. There was good and evil. And that's all there was. And but I think as 
millennials have grown older and as we start taking over into the industry, I start looking at things like, uh, for example, Frozen, where you have a fully fleshed out villain who has full... Oh my God, his motivation. And, and think about... I overtook you. Hans, he's the villain in Frozen, right? Yes. It's been a long time. Hans is one of, in recent history, in my knowledge, the most chilling villains in a Disney movie in maybe the last 15 years. It's, like, it's sinister. He, he is a sinister person, and I attribute that almost entirely to having a fleshed-out character and having his motivations shown. And it's the whole shock factor, too, because, like, when he goes up to Anna and he's like, oh, Anna, if only somebody loved you, and you're just like, oh! oh. Exactly. <laughs> like, it just, it, it makes you uncomfortable. And I think we're starting to get, and this is a sign of the times, too, where... Getting... Children aren't sheltered and there is just bad all around you. And you kind of just have to like learn how to deal with that. So I think there's more like a, if we prep them while they're young, um, it'll kind of help you cope when you're older. So we're going to show you that there could be a good guy that's really nice and really sweet. And turns out he's going to He'll bite you in the end. Kill you and lock your sister in a prison. All right. Um, but we're not talking about. Let's any do. Of this. Let's do the notes. Yes. Let's go back, back to Anastasia. Um, I ranted about the animation a little. <laughs> a you little. can. You uh, can keep ranting. First about off, it. why Rasputin got that many teeth? His whole entrance into the ball. His just. His lips are peeled all the way back. His mouth is half of his face, and you can see all his fucking molars all the way up into the front. No other character has teeth that are that fucking visible. He's just out there with his heinous fucking grin. Guess I didn't notice. And then, time. For, like, well, this is the first thing I noticed when I looked at him because he looks like mostly mouth uh, and this beard that reaches his cock. You would do great as a Mandela catalog like agent. You, oh yeah, you I'd could be like, pick no, out. listen, first of all, all this is fucked up. <laughs> um, I don't understand why he, in the midst of his evil rant, had to destroy the chandelier. The chandelier didn't do anything to him. Listen, chandeliers are a sign of power and prestige, so... And they had three of them. He only knocked down one. Fucking finish the job, dude. Anyways, he's really he was, bad at he's, that. That's true. <laughs> canonically <laughs> bad. Canonically bad at finishing the job. Uh, and swimming. Uh... He, so he sold his soul. We still don't know why. He does. He's not a real character. He's a fucking face of evil, quote unquote. To be fair, this is back when like kids' movies needed to be like 90 minutes or less. So That's true, and it is 94 minutes. So we, d we don't have a reason for him to be this angsty, but here we are, and he is. So we move forward. Uh, the people, he fucks off after being told, fuck off. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so he fucks off, and he comes back with a mob uh, who also hate the Romanovs. The it's Romanovs unclear. Romanovs were not liked. Okay, but in the framework of the movie, they're the only protagonists. Yeah. So you are inclined to believe that the Romanovs are well-liked. So this random mob... Listen, you were just at this decadent party where hundreds of people are seen with your eyes and they're dancing and having a great time. You don't know that in actuality, Russia's kind of in a bad way and uh, they're not very good leaders, all things considered. It's very French Revolution. Oh, it's very because then they had the Russian Revolution. Yeah, because so, 
their decadence, it's very much like let them right. eat cake. So in the grand context of history, it makes sense. Without the grand context of history, you just have this ugly motherfucker who gets told to fuck off, he fucks off, and then he got all these normal motherfuckers to rally behind him in his war cry to storm the palace and murder a bunch of people. Uh, Anastasia becomes a classic princess and doesn't know how to use her hands or her feet uh, in the escape and drops everything twice uh, in her attempts to remember a single thing about being a princess. She's also only eight. We have to attribute her youth. She's a child, and she's this a, is terrifying. She's a child. It's scary. Uh, and then she lives because she went back for the music box because they made a point of showing her drop the music box. And she lives because of it. And then Dimitri shoes them out the door, at the side door. They get away to a train, uh, and the grandma has the grip of butter. Uh, and She's old. Yeah, but not really. Not really then. She's really old later, but like she could have hung on. This is like a life or death moment where you have you have to hang on. And she's only using one hand. She doesn't even reach down with her other hand to try. There's also other people who are like pressed up against grandma on this train who do no things to assist this very clear situation that's occurring. Ridiculous. Listen, Russia, it's tough times. And then. Anastasia gets let go and she runs for another few steps and stumbles and goes to sleep. And then 10 years happen, in which time Anastasia has unexplained amnesia. PTSD. Right, not explained. Are there valid explanations? Sure. Are they offered? No. Yes, they had 94 minutes to do it. Could they have dropped a line about it? Maybe, if they felt like it, but they didn't because they wrote this on cocaine. They wrote I this, also- They I, wrote this from a drunk history be, episode. You're right. Because I saw the grandma and Anastasia get out of the palace, I just assumed multiples lived. Because no. listen, you only see three characters who matter for the whole beginning. Because her dad also doesn't matter. Because you know he's going to die. But, like, you don't know who, anyone else in her family. You don't know anything about how anything went down. And you don't see any kill because it's a kid's movie. So it's just sort of like, I, all, I guess two people got out. Again, history, A. And B, we are telling this conspiracy theory. This isn't like a historical story. This is a conspiracy theory that people had for like generations that Anastasia just fucking made it. Sure. This is literally a fairy tale about what if she made it out. Now, also, I'm still confused about why Rasputin was overthrowing the Romanovs because in the context of the movie, the Romanovs seem fine. They, I don't see any problems with them in the framework of the movie. So there's no like... It's it's so mediocre to not include at least some explanation as to why he's doing this, why Rasputin's trying to curse them, and there just isn't any explanation. There's literally no explanation. It's just a shame. Um, and then we have a song about how good gossip is at helping blue-collar poor motherfuckers get through the day, which is so funny because it's so true. Uh... Also, Dimitri, 
that guy sounds an awful lot like John Cusack, which is fair because that guy is John Cusack. Once again, no accent. Uh, he's just talking to Vlad, who has an accent. Like, man, you gotta wonder if Vlad, in the context of this movie, ever looked at Dimitri and was like, dude, where the hell are you from? Like, how come we don't sound the same? Or are you Aren't we both from here? I even think about it like as like a cast of voice actors when you have ones that are doing because you have Bartok too who does a Russian accent like yeah but it's Hank Azaria so it's like questionable it's like it, did like any of the other actors because sometimes they would record together like did anyone look at the other one and go you know we're in Russia right <laughs> like I don't know dude I the directing I've got questions and yeah it's a cult classic but uh. I wouldn't even go that no, far. No one, it didn't make its budget back. Really? It's definitely hyped it ma- up. It made its budget back over the course of, I think, a year. It's definitely hyped up in popularity as Millennials of Age, because now you got the nostalgia button, and then yeah. they made a Broadway musical about it, so... So Dimitri and Vlad have this excellent plan, uh, because it's a very publicly known thing that the Empress of Russia, I think... Duchess? Grand Duchess? They call her the Empress. The whole time. Well, I guess she Anastasia's would, the Grand Duchess. I guess she would be, like, because of the deaths, like, in succession, she would technically be considered the Empress. Um, I forget what the term is when, like, everybody dies and you're not really in charge. She also doesn't rule Russia and lives in Paris. It's very confusing. The hierarchy of command and structure in this movie doesn't exist, and it's not supposed to, because you're not supposed to think about it, because this is a movie for children and not 28-year-old me. There is a title when, like, a bunch of the royal family dies, and you're married into the family, and you get temporary power until, like, order can be reestablished, and I don't remember what it's called, but that is a thing. So she would be, like, the empress, that title. Regent? I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, uh, the Queen Regent. Yeah, so she'd be so, the Empress Regent, technically. Regardless, uh, Dimitri and Vlad keep singing about their excellent plan to audition someone to become the new princess so they can acquire the reward that the Empress has put out for news, alive or dead, of her granddaughter. Um And that's a dumb fucking thing to do, is to sing about your mildly evil plan out loud in front of everyone. To be fair... bad decision. To be fair, it was Russia, A. And B, seems like everyone was doing it. Like, the uh, the way the Dutch... The way the Empress talks about it when they show up is like... She she, knew. She knew that this was occurring in St. Petersburg. And yeah, and like, how many Anastasias has she seen? Like, she's like, I don't want to see anymore. Like, this is heartbreaking to her, but she's seen so many girls now that are like, could be. At this point in the movie, I was just assuming that uh, Anastasia hit her head when she went to sleep on the station platform. Could have done that too. So anyways, uh, Anya, who is Anastasia, and I will refer to the character as both names for the rest of this podcast... Uh, she sounds an awful lot like younger Meg Ryan. And that's important because she is played by a younger Meg Ryan. Uh, and for the record, John Cusack and Meg Ryan do a goddamn good job voice acting these characters. Even if they didn't let them sing the songs? They didn't do accents, 
But that I don't think is on them. That is specifically on the director. And fuck you for that. Sorry, Don Bloom. Uh, so we don't have any explanation for the amnesia or the overthrowing of the Romanovs. Um, and then we're introduced to Puka as Anastasia gets tossed out of the orphanage uh, by Flemenkoff, uh, which is a si very silly name for a person because Flem and Koff go hand in hand. Um, Some writer had a chuckle about that. was like, I wonder if anyone will notice. Right. Uh, and so we're introduced to a dog, uh, and the dog has an American mom named Karen's haircut, uh, <laughs> which is... I love Puka. Well, Puka would like to speak to the manager. Um, also, we're introduced to the dog, and then the next scene, she's just calling the dog Puka, and we have no context for when she came up with the name Puka or anything, because she was singing a different song about something. I can't remember. Her travel, her adventure to her past. It's her journey to her past that's the song. Great. The main characters are Americans. Everyone else is Russian. Uh, Fox can't animate for shit, and Dimitri can't shake hands for shit. <laughs> now, Dimitri has, does a handshake after Anastasia finds her way to uh, the auditions uh, where she had heard that a man called Dimitri was trying to... Uh, she just heard that he could get her papers. Yeah, he could get her papers She's just to trying leave. to get to Paris. Right, she just wants to go to Paris. Um, and Dimitri cons her into being down to do whatever to get to Paris. Uh, and so they shake hands, and he shakes hands like he's got a little limp wrist, like he just, like he's got a dead fish hanging off the end of his hand. Um, it's Anastasia. a bad handshake, and if you shake hands like that, you're fucking wrong. And Anastasia shakes like a sh shakes strong, like a, independent woman. <laughs> man, you really, really almost tripped yourself up on that one. Uh, now, at this point in time, Bartok, our bat, who is briefly seen with Rasputin when he was alive, Oh, also, by the way, when Rasputin overthrew the Romanovs, he died drowning in ice. Um, and it's unclear how he got pulled under the ice, but he did get pulled under the ice and is presumed dead. Uh, now, Bartok has his little magic canister of green goo and is just sort of hanging out in the, uh, in the now deserted palace. And he sees Anastasia... And just assumes that that is Anastasia. Well, he does. He doesn't think it is. He's like, nah, that can't be. She died. Blah blah blah. But then the talisman. The talisman knows that it is because it's about killing the Romanovs. I guess it's that's what the curse is held in. So it starts freaking out, and he goes, "Well, if that thing's freaking out. It must be Anastasia." And then the bat gets dragged to hell, literally. And then Rasputin's there, on this little floaty island. Basically, in limbo. space, limbo, made of skulls and bones, and this is where Fox tries to super animate and do like animated shit with Rasputin because he's sort of falling apart. So they're having a little fun with like, oh, may, may what if his mouth just fell into his beard, and Bartok put his mouth back and where his mouth goes? Silly shit like that, and it's kind of entertaining, honestly. Uh, but it is difficult to focus on. When every word that comes out of Rasputin's mouth sounds like Doc Brown from uh, Back to the Future, 
because it's Christopher Lloyd doing a Christopher Lloyd version of Christopher Lloyd. So, bad directing. You have a lot of complaints about this movie. Yeah, because it's amateurish and bad. Carry on. Um, Rasputin does a great villain song. And that great villain song is In the Dark of the Night. Uh, Just because I really, really like it, you should listen to the cover of In the Dark of the Night by Jonathan Young. It's on his Villains album, in which he does a lot of covers of various songs. Shiny's Uh, also on there. It's good. Because it is so freaking good. It is unreal how amped up he makes that song. It's very good. He makes a lot of them better. I think about uh, Prince of Egypt, too. That He does the one that the priest and the yeah. preacher um, and the Prince of Egypt do. I don't Hanging with the big boys now. Yeah. And it's better when he does it. There are a lot of songs that I think he adds to rather I also, than detracts from. Well, I also don't like the song Shiny. From Moana, I don't like the song "Shiny" from Moana. I hated that song. I don't Take like Tomatoa. I don't like Tomatoa. I really liked the Jonathan Young cover. It's on my Spotify. <laughs> so that aside, we go back to the movie. Um, the gang of Vlad, Dimitri, and Anya are now bound for Paris. Paris. Uh, they get on a train. Uh, and they're mostly just arguing. And by arguing, I mean Dimitri and Anya are arguing, which is how you know they're going to eat each other's faces off later in the movie. They got sexual tension. And no, it's not sexual. It's just tension. If they had sexual tension, it wouldn't be a kid's movie. To be fair, Dimitri's annoying as fuck. Dimitri's a little bitch, and I make note of that like four times in my notes. And Anya's also kind of annoying as fuck. Anya's the worst version of Headstrong. Specifically because she doesn't have context as to why she makes the decisions that she makes. She's just like, it's it's uh, unwarranted confidence that she has. It's internally because she's a princess. Right, but she doesn't know that, so it's just being a dick. <laughs> if you know that, then the context is different. The context around the way they all interact with each other is fucking rough. Um... But there is a shot where Anya wins a verbal argument with Dimitri, and you get a shot over Vladimir's or Vlad's shoulder as he marks down another hash mark in what I can only presume to be a counter of arguments won by either party. And Anya's won like 50 already. There's so many five hash mark sections. Dimitri has four. He's got Dimitri's got four. It's uh, it's a landslide victory. Which I wonder, makes me wonder, A, how long they've, because it seems like they just got on the train right away. Yeah, but, time is irrelevant. But how long have they been hanging out where they they have had enough arguments that Anya has won that many? It's unclear. So now we've got uh, the curse is coming to try and kill Anastasia and... Uh, they're on the train. It turns out they have the wrong colored papers because the government changes the papers all the time. Little jab at them being communist. Papers, please. Um, and so the gang absconds back to the baggage cart. 
or effectively. up to the baggage car. Yeah, I guess? it is up. It is up because the it's near the locomotives. Yeah, engine. they're like right so, behind the engine. Yeah. So they get up there and it's cold, and then they get up there, and then the back half of the train behind them just disconnects. Uh, so they're in Russia in the winter in the mountains. So all those people are going to die. Yeah, the demons really just like said, fuck those people. The body count in this movie is astronomical for how nice of a little fairy tale it is. All those people in that train are going to die. But we're not worried about them right now because suddenly the train's speeding up uh, because the demons did it. And also... No one works on any vehicle that the gang get on until a car in, like, in France. So. No, they aren't in France yet when they're in the car because they haven't gotten on the boat yet. Is that? Oh, that is for real. Oh, you've got me there. I got my timeline mixed up. Uh, I don't, I don't remember exactly what happens before... Anastasia goes, men are such babies. But that is true. Men are indeed such babies. I don't know, Dimitri... Dimitri gets butt hurt over something. Yeah. Or hurts himself or something. Yeah, it, it does something, and she jabs at him, and it's true. Uh, and then Dimitri does the most man thing I can think of. In that... They open up the door to get to the... The... Fucking engine car? What's the name of that? I can't remember off the top of my head. The 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 locomotive? No. What's the fucking front what is it? Ah! I don't fucking remember. Anyway. They're going too fast, and so Dimitri does the most man thing I can think of in that moment. And he decides that he is the train mechanic and he will see what he can do about this. Which is so dumb. Oh my God. You're not, I mean, he's correct to do this in this instance. But dude, you are not the guy. You're a con man. You are not the guy who knows how to do train. You're not the train guy. He's You're like, not I the can conductor. do it. You're not the shoveling coal guy. You're not the conductor on the train. You're the you're just a dude. And so he says, I'll do it. And so he gets up over there, finds out no one's on the train, and it's just And everything's on fire. Firing on all cylinders. Uh so Puka is the only one who can see the annoying pest demons. As a note. No one else can, only Puka, because Puka's an animal and animals can see things. Uh, Canonically true. So then they sort of hatch a plan to save themselves, i.e. jump. And, oh yeah, they do the jump plan first. Well, they try to do the jump plan first. Yeah, and then they have to disconnect. And then they see up ahead that the tiny little demon pests just sort of acquire astronomical power. I think they merge into one. And destroy a whole bridge in one swoop. And so now the plan has to change and they've got to disconnect the cars 
and figure out the brakes and all that shit. So they 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 do all that. I'm also very uncomfortable with how powerful these little demon pests are in that they can't kill her, but they can turn into a giant creature that destroys the bridge. I don't think they can like do anything to directly harm her. Right, but there's no stated rules about it, so I don't that's dumb. That's dumb. It's very dumb. I don't like it, and I think it's dumb. Um, they escape from the train, jump into the snow, set off on foot, and Rasputin uh, just takes all his frustrations out on himself. He's really into self-harm. Um, he is. He just straight up tries to kill himself. <laughs> just in a very cartoonish way, he just commits so much self-harm. <laughs> Master, All at once. It's not the time to lose ba your head. Bartok's like trying to talk him off the edge, and it's just Hank area the whole time, and you're just like, man, this sounds an awful lot like The Simpsons. So, Bartok is the only good character. Uh, and then we embark on our transitional phase of the movie where we take an unknowable amount of time to cross a majority of Europe. And train Anya how to be a duchess. Right. Uh, and also, in this portion of the movie, I have to say, I take it back, and Vlad is also a good character. Uh, because Vlad is just sort of the glue that holds the group together. And he's a sweet little... And he is a very sweet old guy. Yeah. He's a, he's a sweet dude. Who's um, in love. He is in love. Now, this is... Maybe one of the earliest movies that I've seen where we have a teaching a princess how to become a princess montage. So I can't say for certain, but they may have set the trend that you then see in things like The Princess Diaries or little, little points here and there in movies like Brave where Merida needs to be sort of stately, but isn't, and she gets jabbed at by her mom. Yeah. Stuff like that. Like, there's not really a, t a time I can pinpoint where that became a thing, but having seen this movie that came out in 1997, I think it might start here. Because I can't think of another movie that's older where they do a teach this person how to be a stately princess montage. Uh, so I'm not saying for sure that it was the first time, but it is a time early on in the trend and it's always exactly the goddamn same. Now in this montage where they're traveling around and learning how to become princess, uh, they steal so many modes of transportation. And I can only assume they steal because at no point do they show that they have money and at no point do they show a transaction taking place where they buy or rent any of the modes of transportation that they use, which are limit, not, not exclusively, but or the, the, here, here they, fuck me. I tripped my whole self over on that one. Uh, here's what they do. They steal horses. They steal bicycles. They do not steal a car because there's a driver in that car. Uh, and I can only assume that 
they tricked their way onto the ship because there is not another soul on board this ship. It's a ghost <laughs> ship. There's not a crew. There's never never shown a crew. And they go above deck, below deck, all over the place on this ship, and never once do you see a crew member. And that's probably for saving costs in animation. Oh, yeah. Which is like, hey, it's your first movie. They didn't put a lot of budget into it. I get it. But also, you know how fucking dumb it looks to have a ship in an emergency situation in the ocean trying to maintain itself and you don't see a single crew member? That's dumb. That looks silly. That's a noticeable faux pas. Uh, I also, beautiful moment of brevity is I had made a note that I didn't write down, but I, I, I mentally thought of this while they were in the montage that she just kept on wearing the same tattered dress that she had when she fucking left the orphanage. Like she's just been in the same clothes the whole time. And then they get to the ship and I said out loud to America, I was like, man, they went the whole way to Poland, got halfway across Europe and they still didn't get her any new clothes. And immediately after I finished that sentence, Dimitri pops out this new dress for her. <laughs> and he's said, like, I bought you this dress. I said, motherfucker! <laughs> so dumb. Uh, but it, yeah, it's wild to me that they didn't like, if they were stealing all these modes of transportation, shit, man, just steal a dress or something, steal some clothes. We've seen it happen enough times. Shit, Aladdin practically did it a dozen times. Um, Dimitri also such a little bitch all the time just so petty about everything he's a he's like a classic know-it-all protagonist but without charm or likable qualities so it, he's just annoying it, it's like the he tried to it was like Flynn Rider but like really really badly done like he's trying to do like the whole con man Aladdin Flynn thing but like he doesn't have any of the charming aspects to go along yeah, with he's, it. He's an archetypal character that is not executed well. But I don't blame John Cusack for that because when John Cusack does his tender moments with the character, it's really good. John Cusack does a good job. If only the animations could show facial expressions. Ugh, I don't want to talk about that. It's going to make me upset again. But it's literally like the direction and the story just do not lend favor at all to the characters that they're trying to work with. It's just a shame. And I, I really, once again, I just don't really have very many issues with the voice acting in the movie. Mm -hmm. I think everyone, like, no one phoned in their performance, I'll say. Uh, but for sure, not any of the main cast even trying a Russian accent is shambolic. It's just a... It's... It's a Russian story. All the side characters have Russian accents, except for when they're in France and they have French accents. But they have French accents. Like... Meg Ryan and John Cusack and Christopher Lloyd are terrific, terrific talents. You don't think they could do it? Maybe they tried and it wasn't good and they had to start over. Ooh, that could be. 
I mean, maybe they're all three of them bad, but I find the likelihood that they're all three of them bad not high. I just, it's so, it takes away from it for me. I'm sure it doesn't take away from the story for a child. You didn't give a fuck. I gave a fuck, but I'm me, and it's my job to give a fuck. So, that's halfway. We'll finish the horrendous end of this movie next episode.